for all NBA for all NBA warriors. You are now tuned into Golden Spaces with Matt and Justin. I, I gotta tell you, man. I gotta tell you, the Lakers on the brink of being swept just brings so much joy to my heart. It really does. And you know what? With so that, that's how we start in the podcast. That's how we start in the podcast. What up, y'all? It's Golden Spaces. It's an Odyssey original podcast. <laughs> yes, we are. And we are feeling good. The vibes are good over here. You know why? Cause the Lakers are about to go down. They're about to go down. Yeah, they getting smacked. They are getting smacked. We're not gonna start with the bozos, though. We're not gonna start with the fakers because fakers. Yes, the nice little cute team. You know what I'm saying? They is all up and they, eh, oh, nice little cute team. Yes, because y'all exactly what I thought you were. It's actually embarrassing that the Warriors are not the ones who expose you. It's actually embarrassing that the Warriors allowed this team and for the world to think that they are better than they are. And it's mm. embarrassing all of you who think that this team is so much better than the existing Warriors. I ain't saying that we had the greatest team in the world this year, but th- there was not a huge gap. The The Lakers were not no some gap. superior team, okay? So get right. this idea out of your head, talking about, oh, we went to play Denver, we was going to get smacked. The Suns ain't smacked Denver. Denver. Oh, there you go. Denver didn't smack the Suns. I said Denver, even the Wolves took one off of Denver. And a, a couple of them games was close, okay? So, please. Denver's a very good team, so I'm not trying to shit on them. That's not what I'm saying. But the Warriors wasn't getting smacked. Steph ain't ever lost a series in less than six games. Never forget that. Yeah. All right? That's facts. So, that, we just got some mean, news from Shams. What? Um... D'Lo and Vanderbilt moved to the bench. Schroeder and Rui moved to the starting lineup. So it's some desperation going. Shocking. That should have right. happened before game two, game four, my guy. Too late. Which also means if the Lakers don't get off to a good start, they are for sure losing this game because they don't have any other punch from than other than this punch. <laughs> so be on the lookout for that first quarter score. <laughs> oh man anyway guys we are definitely here to talk dubs we're gonna get back to the eastern conference and western conference finals where two teams are just (coughs) just being smacked smacked into oblivion (laughs) they're not even worthy of being in the conference finals to be honest they're not who the lakers or the celtics both yeah, this has been a, such a weird year. So many teams just aren't really that good, which is both a good thing and a you know just a a weird thing. I can't find out a better word to to describe it, but it just feels like there's really no championship level teams out there or that we've seen in the past. Like the the same type of teams that fit the bill that we've seen in the past. So 
Right. Yeah, and when like you say that, it sounds like you're sliding the nuggets right, in the heat. But the reality is, like, come on. The Heat aren't that good. They're not. Right. You know? And I don't know if it's just, like, you know, some teams have, like, just hot points in the season. You know? And, yes, they did add Kevin Love to their roster. But, like, mm-hmm. you know, because some of them are trying to say, this is the regression to the mean. So the bad shooting all season and, and all of that wasn't real. I'm like, come on, come on. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Um, and maybe the answer lies somewhere in the middle, you know? Yeah. But like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like they're shooting like off the charts right now, you know? So, and like the Celtics, I mean, yeah, like I said, we're going to get into these series because it's very... um. Lord, it's very um shocking. All right, y'all, my bad. You may have heard like some little noises and stuff going on. I'm sorry, you know, life happens, but we back, we back, we back. So, were we were we still um talking shit about the Lakers? I, I just don't remember where we were. I just, or we oh, move yeah. on. Are we still Did doing we? it? <laughs> Oh no. Hey yo, to the people trying to like tell us we can't talk shit about the Kobe Law son, bro. Fuck out of here. It's chip or bust. Is it? It's chip or bust. (laughs) That's it. That's it. It's chip or bust. Word up. So anyway, we good. We good over here. People like y'all more excited about our demise or us losing. I said, no, we not. Like, obviously we want to win, but we ain't winning. That's done. It's over with. But y'all ain't right. winning either. Right. <laughs> we move on. We... Right. <laughs> oh, God. All right. But no. Yeah, I, I remember. We were talking about the heat and, and, and nuggets. And it's just like, there's no way to talk about them without a feeling like you're you're shitting on them. So this is why I sort of mm-hmm. just like stayed away from the conversation. But I mean, look, if they come back next year, both teams and like the Nuggets are a better team than the Heat in terms of like right. talent and everything. So like if the Nuggets come back and have another good year, I don't think that would shock anybody. But if the Heat keep playing like this, they should be like a top seed in the East, you know? And I just, mm-hmm. I don't know if it's sustainable. And then there's just also the idea of like, and I, I, I'm not even going to sit up here right now and try to like speak on like their contract situations and stuff like that, because I don't know, but some of those guys you're going to have to pay. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's just like, we'll just see what happens with the heat. But all that said, what they are doing right now is nothing short of remarkable. What Jimmy Butler is doing right now is nothing short of, of remarkable. And I will say as someone who has not been a Jimmy believer, right? Like, first of all, I think I was right not to believe before. Like, I don't think there's any dispute that, like my main thing about Jimmy, like part of me found him a little unlikable. 
I don't feel like that anymore. So that was part of it. But the other part was just that, like, he wasn't consistent enough, right? Because, I mean, the debates used to be, like, between him and, like, Paul George. And what's they're both were, like, inconsistent, you know? But some people didn't like Paul George because they thought he was corny or, you know, whatever. So people had their things for each of them. But neither, neither one of them were consistent enough on a night-to-night basis that you were like, they're not really number ones. They're number twos, right? And I think, I think what Jimmy Butler has demonstrated this postseason is that he can be your best player, you know? Um, Mm -hmm. That's what he did for me. Now, obviously doing this over, you know, 16 games versus a whole season is a different thing. But, you know, he's for sure a 16-game player. And it's and it's not just like okay because in game three he didn't shoot well you know or he wasn't I, I wouldn't say he didn't sh- I don't mean like he didn't shoot well but I mean he wasn't like scoring a lot but mm-hmm. he's become like a playmaker he's setting up his teammates you know I just feel like he's really refined his all around game to like really give more than what he always has. And so some people might be like, well, you didn't know, like you clearly didn't know because Jimmy could always do that. But I don't think there's any question to me. I don't think anyone could say that he has not elevated his game. Yeah. I mean, he's, he's been, uh, he's been one of those dudes that he can turn it on. Like, but he's also the type of player that when he's at his best, he plays a play style that's, kind of unsustainable for an 82 game season so he plays like a like a simmered down version of that for the heat in the regular season and i think you know this year they had some roster issues that seemingly have correct themselves via ridiculous internal improvement like yeah <laughs> from, from the regular season from even the play-in to the playoffs right because they lost their first play-in game but um Jimmy just, yeah, like I said, like he's one of those dudes in the playoffs. He's like, all right, I can go full head of steam and play my full, full game and essentially have an impact on every single possession of every single game um, and, you know, show his his ceiling. And that's what we have seen. I mean, I guess three out of the last four playoffs, he's done it all the way up into the finals or up into the conference finals and did it at a super duper high level. So. Just gotta yeah, tip your hat off to him. He's definitely just added that his that mid-range to his game has been, you know, super money in the playoffs. His three-point percentage goes up every year in the playoffs. So it's rare, but you see guys like him, guys like Kawhi, um, they're when they get to the playoffs, they just rise their they, their game just raises to another level. And it's really hard to do that. Um, so you gotta definitely yeah. tip your hat off to him. And for both it came on a little later in their careers. I mean, with Kawhi, I think that was more a function of the system he was in. Um, But, you know, because Jimmy, it's just like, when he was like the number one option in Chicago, they weren't weren't going anywhere then with him as the number one option, is what I'm saying. Like, he had to really turn into that, and he hasn't been that his whole career. Whereas, like, some guys could always be the number one, and they were that. And it's just like, you know, which is why I say for like someone like a Tatum, who I think the jury is out on him still, whether he truly is a number one or if he should be a number two. I'm I tend to lean number two, but it may be like later in his career, 
he pulls like a mm-hmm. Jimmy and it becomes, you know, like it just may take him longer. I don't know. Yeah, I think I lean that he's a one is just he's just young. You know, he's been okay. in the league for a long time. He has a ton of a ton of experience for somebody his age, but he still is only 24. Whereas like Jimmy's what, 31 or something right. like that. Like, that's a long time before he gets to Jimmy's age. He can have so many more deep runs that just allows him to refine his game mentally to, to get to – Jimmy's 33, by the way. Um, you know, okay. to get to – right? He got a 10-year – almost a 10-year gap on him. So, yeah, he got a long way to go. Like, it didn't take – some of the all-time greats didn't get their first ring or all that type of stuff until they were 27, 28 years old. So – Right. I think I think Tatum's a one for sure. He just got some okay. stuff he got to refine. Okay. Well, yeah. we'll find out. So, um, he may ultimately be a one. He's not playing at a one level yet. Is that mm-hmm. fair to say? Yeah, I just don't think he's mentally there yet. Now that's something that is tough to develop into that, but we've seen guys do it before. And I just yeah, he got some growing to do, maturity wise, and just. But I think even his game too, because it's like, yeah, his hands some of the choices on the court, your shot selection. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. been a running theme with Tatum, his shot selection. But it's just like, you know, then that whole Lakers team as a whole, and Lakers Celtics team as a whole, like, I I just don't know why that team is relying on threes. I mean, I know why because you've explained it to me, and it's very logical and reasonable in your Justin, you know, sense and all of that. But it doesn't make sense to me. I'm like, this is not a team that should be like so reliant on threes. Like nothing about the skill skill sets. Like, you know, I don't even think the Warriors should be relying on threes as much as they do. And they have two of the best shooters to ever like play the game. You know, so it's just like I, all these teams who have these reliable mid ranges, you're seeing how valuable they are come the postseason. You know, so mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, like over the course of the regular season, we saw the Celtics were the second best three point shooting team in the league. The Warriors were the first, and when you get to the playoffs, when you got to play defense. And teams are running you off the line. You got to have a counter to it. And both of those teams, well, neither of those teams have had like an effective counter to not being able to hit threes at the high clip that they did in the regular season. So it just shows the importance of guys that can get to the rim against elite defenses and guys that can hit mid-range shots that teams are going to ultimately concede to you. So, yeah, you're right. Like, you know, the – there's some truth to like the old school thinking of like, you can't live and die by the three. Always. You got to have some type of balanced attack and neither of those teams got it this season in particular. And the Warriors used to, it's just like, I don't know Mm -hmm. how they've gone away from it, but they just leaned into the math way too much for my liking. Yeah. They, I mean, this year they were just too small. I felt like, Right, where in years past, even though Steph and Clay were taking majority of the shots, they always had guys like Harrison and Andre who were six seven, six eight dudes that can that were athletic, that can finish at the rim. Draymond was a much better finisher at the rim in his heyday. Um, Andrew Bogut, seven footer who can catch lobs, JaVel McGee, you know, so 
even last year, auto quarter range. Yeah, then you got mid range guys, Livingston, KD, mid range killers, David David West. Right, exactly. I mean, Steph and Clay. Clay was much better at the mid range um, when he was, you know, before the injuries and stuff like that. When he had the burst to be able to get there, and you know, teams would put small guards on Clay, so he would just post them up. Where he just teams are putting bigger guys on Clay now. But um, like even last year, they had Otto Porter, mid range guy. He's also a front court player that can stretch the floor, so he allows JP to get to the rim. Gary Payton cutting to the rim. Wiggins. Duncan and all type of stuff. So they got to get back to having multiple guys that are big, but also can score. So it opens the floor up for their guards and opens the floor up for just everybody else on the court. Yeah. And the Celtics just don't, don't got guys that can dribble. That's their main, <laughs> that's their main thing. None of nobody on their team can dribble for real. They need to get a real, they need to get a real, uh, you know, point guard or guard, someone who could dribble. Yeah. Which, which, hmm, I think the Warriors may have someone like that on their <laughs> team, Justin. Hey, they might, they might. You uh, might dribble a little too much, but you know. <laughs> Hey. Nah, nah, like for real. Y'all know I love Jordan, but I mean, like honestly, the potential, um, Warriors, man, Dub Nation, Dub's Twitter, they've been on the trade machine. Like, I've seen all kinds of crazy, silly, stupid trades Mm -hmm. on my timeline. But, yeah, I mean, since the season ended, people have been at work, and the Celtics have definitely been a team, especially now with them going down 3-0 after last night. They lost last night, and people were like, oh. Where can we go to, to send Jalen Brown? It wasn't just us. Like, yeah, yeah. Grizzlies, Twitter, everybody was trying to figure out where Jalen Brown could go. So it was just a very <laughs> uh, funny thing that everyone has decided the Celtics are trading Jalen Brown. Um, so we'll see. But, I mean, yeah. Sorry, y'all. We kind of started. We're a little bit all over the place. But let's let's... <laughs> Let's 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 regroup a little bit. 